Welcome to the Fans Forum on Latte Firm. Sorry for being slightly late. Uh, I've got a good excuse, but I can't remember it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Joining me on, on your screens is Rohan, who is back at to, to the firm. Rohan, how are you? Yeah, good, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on again. Always love um, talking Arsenal, especially with you, of course, on this this great channel. And it's, it's obviously much better when Arsenal performing well. You know, it makes everything a lot easier. So, yeah, uh, buzzing for today um, it, it, to talk about what we're going to. So It makes yeah. things a lot easier to digest. <laughs> uh, but listen, for, 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 for anybody who's not sort of tuned in before, you came on, you're a member, a regular member of the firm, but you came on and did a special yeah, feature on yeah. positional play uh, a couple of months back. And the feedback to that was phenomenal. We had like 10K views in the first couple of days. Uh, that's pretty phenomenal going. So bravo to you for that. But oh, thank you. Um, you do some writing for Gunners Town. You've yeah. since written a piece on the sort of evolution of Mikel Arteta's yeah. system, which yeah. we want to cover today. But yeah. for anybody who's unfamiliar with your work, quick intro to you, your association with the club. Yeah, um, like I said, I, I write for Gunners Town. Um, I've also do stuff for Football London as well um, for the past six months. Um, so yeah, that's, that's that's what I've been doing, just covering um, Arsenal, but also for Football London, I've been doing the other clubs like Chelsea, Spurs, um, etc. as well. So read the so, yeah, room, man. Read the room. I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not mention them. No, I won't uh, mention it yet. <laughs> now, but listen, your writing is is elite, and you know Dave Seeger oh, and Co. You. hosting you at Gunnerstown. Uh, it's good to have you on, but of course there is an audience who want to be maybe sort of talked through it. So yeah, really sure. want to get stuck into that and uh, you know get your thoughts on our test system and how we sort of yeah. you know evolved our play, but. Quick thoughts on the season so far. Um, obviously, mathematically, you look at the league table, we are yep. in a good position. We are perhaps potentially favourites to get that top four. If you think yes. about the fixtures and games in hand, FC, I understand all of that. What are your thoughts on where we are? Oh, I think, you know, for me going into the season, I'm I'm always a, an optimistic person uh, with regards to Arsenal. I always have high hopes. But, you know, I went into the season thinking, you know, we the recruitment, a lot of the signings, in fact, every signing made sense to me in terms of profile-wise and the direction which the club were going. But at the same time, I felt that it was going to take a bit of time for this team to gel and for them to develop chemistry and to essentially click as a team because we made a lot of signings and a lot of players who were going to slot straight into the first team. And then obviously, as the season went on immediately with um, the first three games, picking up no points on the board, it was obviously frustrating for a lot of Arsenal fans, me in particular as well. Um, but at the same time, you know, when you when you look at those three games massive mitigating circumstances in terms of you know the COVID outbreak the injuries essentially not having you know a, a fully fit spine um, within the team affected um, the performances but when you've seen you know the team as one that resembles Mikel Arteta's identity um, with the likes of Ramsdale, Ben White, Gabriel, um, Tomiyasu etc in the team you've seen the performances you've seen the consistency of the team and you know that's put us in a very good position you know going into the season I felt you know fifth place was what I was aiming for I thought that would have been um, a very good sign of progression relative to the to the couple of seasons that we've had under Mikel Arteta but now we're in a situation where we've got a really good opportunity to finish in the top four and um, like I said the, the fixtures are starting to become more favourable you look at the likes of Spurs and Man United with massive problems in terms of the way they play and how they're not um, consistent at all I think Arsenal have got a great opportunity and I'm pretty confident that we'll, we'll get top four now so you know even as an optimistic person I didn't think that was um, a reality at the start of the season but 
I think maybe I've also underestimated what this team's capable of as well. And, um, you know, it, it's it's brilliant, you know. So hopefully we can keep this um, this run of form going. I think we will. Um, and then, you know, come the end of the season to finish in the top four, it will show real sign of progression. progression. Yeah, it's amazing how the season fluctuates, isn't it? And that's the beauty of the Premier League. And, you know, Arsene Wenger once talked about fourth position be, as being similar to a trophy or whatever the phrase was. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny now how clubs are falling over themselves to really secure that spot. But, you know, actually, Rohan, it will make such a massive difference to us as a club, you yeah. know, from yeah. where we where we have been last couple of seasons to where we really want to go, propelling us forward with extra revenue, Champions League music under the floodlights. I mean, look, I don't want to get carried away, but we are oh. in a good position. <laughs> yeah, We are in a good position. Um. You talked about positional play when you did the feature. Yeah. Uh, why was that so important to you? And how did this second piece about Arteta's new system come about? Yeah, so, you know, when, when we spoke about this before on the original feature, we talked about essentially what Mikel Arteta is trying to do at Arsenal. So it's kind of more broader um, rather than, you know, um, simplifying it. And essentially, he is an advocate of positional play. And um, it's it's an approach that is very sustainable. Just look at Pep Guardiola, for example, the way his teams perform season in, season out, the way um, in which um, he gets the team going in terms of the style of play and the football that they 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 consistently um, perform and how attractive it is. Mikel Arteta as an advocate of that and um what positional play is is that you know you can describe it in many different ways but i think the best way for me to to explain it is essentially just trying to have as many different advantages on the pitch as possible across all areas to keep the opposition in a vulnerable state so you know it's it's done with a certain structure that the manager will will deploy and um it's all about creating superiority you know advantages so that superiority could come in the form of having more players at one end of the pitch relative to the opposition to to kind of bypass a press. It could also come in a situation where, you know, you have a certain passing sequence and then you're you're aiming to get your star winger in a 1v1 against the opposition fullback. And you know that's a superiority because your star winger has the qualities to kind of go past him and to potentially create something. So it's all about creating advantages. It's all about having control with the ball and essentially sustaining pressure. And, you know, it's a it's a very good approach. Um, like I said, with Pep Guardiola, you look at Hansi Flick's Bayern Munich before as well. I remember Michael Laudrup, Swansea as well, was, um, was a team that did it as well, which was, um, you know, uh, really good to see, you know, a team like Swansea um, advocate that style of football and and do well with it and um whilst it's a very good approach it requires highly intelligent players um who have you know real good footballing intelligence are capable of playing across different positions of the pitch and that's why we've seen a massive overhaul of the squad you know when you look at the the squad that we had um when Mikel Arteta first came in to what he's got right now it's completely different and it was 100% needed for us to be in the position that we are in right now where everything's looking a lot more promising. So that's positional play, really, just having control of the ball, trying to put the opposition um, under pressure continuously and finding ways in which you can create overloads, superiorities, advantages, etc. So that's that's what it is. And you noticed a couple of weeks ago, I think, the Wolves game at Molyneux, that sort of inspired yeah. you into writing about yeah. this yeah. piece. So Talk to us, give us a brief summary as to how this article came about and then we'll take a look at the article itself and you can talk us through the changes yeah. to Arteta's system. 
Yeah, so um, I've actually been I've been noticing it for a while now. Um, and if you go all the way back to the games against Man United and Everton, real frustrating, particularly the Everton one, um, the performance and obviously the result, especially when you look at, you know, the run of form Everton had going into that, didn't win any of their games in the last, I think, eight or nine, what it was reminiscent, <laughs> reminiscent to that one Southampton form as win. well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, then the game after that was Southampton at home. And um, we won that 3-0, of course. And then we went on a really good run and the performances were fantastic. Um, and I noticed it um, at that point. But obviously, it's there's no point writing something when you just notice it in one specific game. You need to see that over a larger sample size. And I have been seeing that in every single game from the moment we beat Southampton at 3-0. And then uh, um, the, the Wolves game away at Molyneux, um, when we won that, obviously not the most glamorous performance in terms of in an attacking sense, but it just kind of inspired me to to have a look at this this um, tweak that Arteta's made. Um, and that's that's where this article's came, really. Um, just just looking at the last few um, couple of months and um, the change that he's made. And then, yeah, just, just writing a piece on it, detailing what that actual change is. Well, it's an excellent piece. And for anybody who's not managed to read it just yet, and if you prefer reading, the link is in the description below. Again, head to Gunnerstown. But we will now share that and talk through some of the images. And the first thing that you wanted to cover was the double pivot. So yeah. on your screens, you should be able to see the article from Gunnerstown website. Talk us through the double pivot and what's happening in this first image against Tottenham. Yeah, so basically what I wanted to do with this video is to talk about what we were doing under Mikel Arteta predominantly before to what we're doing right now and then basically explaining um, as simply as I possibly can why we've um, gone for this change and the benefits of it. So right now we're just focusing essentially on what Mikel Arteta has done before. So if we rewind back all the way towards Boxing Day of 2020, and that was the moment where Smith Rowe broke into the team. And essentially that for me was the turning point for this Arsenal team. Because if you go before that um, and we played the 3-4-3, which brought us success in the FA Cup semi-final and final against uh, Man City and Chelsea, and we were seeing really good results with that formation in the FA Cup, which led Arteta to his first trophy. But the reality of that was that Arteta never really wanted to play that formation. And the reason why I say that, because when he first came to the club, he had Mesut Ozil playing in every single game in the Premier League, started every game in a 4-2-3-1 as the, the number 10 on paper. And that was the system that he wanted to use um, from the get-go. Then obviously we had um, the COVID outbreak. And then after um, we had Project Restart come, Ozil wasn't available for reasons that we obviously still um, aren't completely sure of. We had no creative midfielders, so we had to go for a different setup, which was the 3-4-3. And again, like I said, it brought us success in the FA Cup. But that formation always had an expiry date for me. You know, it, it was clear when I was watching it that it wasn't sustainable. Teams were going to be able to exploit it very soon. And we saw that throughout the, the first half of the 2019-2020 season, where we simply could not break teams down in a low block. And, you know, teams were were, were knowing of this. They, they realised that Arsenal didn't have those creative midfielders. They didn't have those players who could um, provide that um, quality in the final third consistently. And they backed themselves to hurt Arsenal, you know, in transition. And that's why, you know, we saw so many poor results and we were languishing in what mid-table. Yeah. And... Then Smith Rowe became available and we've seen a massive change, you know, and that's where I want to look at that point um, in which he was included to what um, Arteta has been using predominantly throughout last season and the first half of, of this season um, before the Southampton game. So on your screen, you can see the setup that Mikel Arteta has predominantly deployed when we've had um, what I call a double pivot. And it consists of two, uh, sorry, three centre-backs with Tommy Essu dropping deep to act as that third centre-back. 
um, Granite Jack and Thomas Partey operating within close proximity to each other to give us that control in midfield and that stability, both capable of breaking the lines with forward passes and quickening that transition from defence to attack. And then we have this front five. Now, Saka, you can't see on your screen now, but he is essentially on the right-hand side holding the width. You have Kieran Tini on the opposite end. So those two players, essentially, they're playing really wide, um, stretching the opposition horizontally to basically um, minimise the, the compactness of the opposition block to then that will help us progress through central areas. But they're also playing really high up, which promotes depth. And what that does is essentially the opposition back line and the midfield, they're being pulled apart and that's creating that space between the lines for the creative midfielders in Smithrow and Erdegaard to kind of exploit on your screen. So what we have basically is a 3-2-5 structure slash 3-2-2-3 um, um, formation when we're building up and when we're looking to kind of progress past the first phase and the second phase. Um, so that's what we've predominantly deployed under Arteta before. And if you go down to the next um And picture, just before we go down, Rohan, if yeah. I may ask, how does the striker's role change? So you can see Aubameyang here yeah. isolated. That was often yeah. a criticism. Was this yes. system designed to help him manage that or...? Well, was... this, yeah, I think with Aubameyang, I think we we all know that his his best qualities lie when he's playing on the shoulder, you know, making movements in behind the opposition back line. But Mikel Arteta wants his centre forward to be comfortable in dropping deep as well to help with um, the build-up play. And so Aubameyang's role, essentially, the striker's role in this system is to, depending on where the ball is and what we're trying to do, sometimes he'll drop deep to help create an overload in midfield. And other, other occasions, he'll play on the shoulder, he'll look to get in behind and potentially create danger within the box you know it's a flexible role that the striker has and um you know Bamiang obviously we saw turbulence with him throughout this season um performed relatively okay at the start and then had a, a massive drop off in form um so yeah that's that's the striker's role you could argue that it's going against Bamiang's best qualities but this is the way the modern game's going now as well. You have to be comfortable in dropping in deeper areas. So, yeah, like I said, um, this 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 system, this setup in terms of the way Arsenal are looking to to break forward, they attack with a five, front five, and they defend with a front five, uh, a back five. So, yeah. Well, let's move on to the next slide. Talk us through what's happening here. This, of course, the home match against Southampton. Yeah, this is the home match against Southampton. And um, essentially, this was, I felt like the change that we saw um, in terms of the, the tweak that we're going to talk about later happened more towards the, the second half. Um, this was the first half, and it's kind of a similar structure, but what what basically Mikel Arteta does a lot is you have to tweak that structure depending on the opposition and their strengths. Now, we know Southampton press really high up the pitch under Ralph Hasnelton. We've seen you know them create problems against the likes of Spurs um, this season. And um, what they really do like doing is um, forcing turnovers high up the pitch and just creating problems and potentially creating chances from balls that have been dispossessed from them. And so because they're so aggressive, they have this front six, Arteta realised that he had to be a little bit more conservative in the structure. He had to drop one extra player in a deeper position so that we could then progress past that pressure. So you can see on your screen that, you know, Southampton pressure in a 4-4-2. They've got six players squeezing high up. So then Arsenal have dropped Tierney back in this instance. So we've got what? Ben White, Gabriel, Thomas Partey, Gabriel, um, sorry, not Gabriel again, Granit Xhaka, Tommy Asu, Kieran Tierney. So we've got six players deep 
to kind of combat that front six. But then you're seeing Ramsdale effectively act as this um, centre-back as well. He's dropping, he's moving forward and splitting both Gabriel and Ben White. So we have a numerical advantage here. So if you go all the way back to what I said at the start, positional play is all about having advantages. This is what Arsenal have done here. They've got a seven versus six, which has allowed them to bypass that Southampton pressure. And this is the, the build-up to, to Lacazette's opener, which was really eye-catching. And um, so, yeah, the structure is in place and then it's down on the players to deliver, you know, the, the quality um, on the ball. And that's exactly what they do here. So what I wanted to basically highlight with these two pictures is that the common similarity is that we have a double pivot. Granite Jacker and Thomas Party are close to each other. And that is what we have been doing predominantly before and um, well, whereas obviously right now, the last two months, we've seen a slight tweak and which is what we're going to talk about now um, in the next picture. And just before we go to the next yeah. picture, my final question here, when I see this as a spectator in the stadium, I get a little bit nervous as to how wide the gaps are between, for example, Party Xhaka, Tommy Asutini. Yeah. The faith, you talk about the profile of player that, that yeah. we've tried to buy in the rebuild of the squad, the faith that Arteta has in these players to execute such a almost precise Yes, sort of style is immense, right? I mean, he's really because the gaps are just huge, aren't they? Ramsdale makes a mistake, exactly, Jacker makes yeah. a mistake, but you know, we're in trouble. So, yeah, and it talk was, us through again, yeah. yeah. And it, I think it was very nervy um, in the build-up to this goal as well because it was, you know, close to Ramsdale getting dispossessed, Ben White close to getting dispossessed. But that's why we have seen an overhaul with the squad. We have seen players come in, you know, the likes of Ramsdale, Ben White, who are just tailored to the modern game, are so comfortable on the ball, they're so composed. And that's where this trust has been put into these players. You know, so Arteta, obviously, you can see now that it is, you know, it is quite scary, the gaps in certain areas, but it's about giving the confidence to the players and backing them, you know, to to be able to deliver um, in, in these moments. And obviously, Grant Jacker is slightly a bit, um, is further away from Thomas Party as, as um, you know, this comment says here. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just giving the confidence. And, you know, you notice when Arteta first came in, we had the likes of Socrates. No way could we be doing that, you know, with yeah. with players like that. You know, it's um, it's only um, possible with, with players like Ben White and Aaron Ramsdale, for example. So, yeah. so let's move on to that next image as we scroll down. Coaching a flexible 4-3-3. Yeah, so this is the tweak now. And um, what you're seeing before in those two previous pictures, obviously Grant Jacker is slightly further away from Thomas Party in the, the previous um, image in the Southampton game, but primarily we have been using a double pivot. However, now it's more of Thomas Party operating as this lone midfield pivot predominantly. And then you've got two advanced midfielders in Granite Jacker and Martin Odegaard effectively acting as these two number eights is what people like to call it. Um, and we are seeing Kieran Tierney in a slightly deeper position, you know, and when you look at the, the, the first image that I showed against Spurs, we have Kieran Tierney high, high up the pitch. So yeah. then, you know, people are asking, you know, why have we made this change? Why has Arteta gone for this, this, um, this tweak? And for me, the simple answer is to reduce the predictability in which Arsenal play with. And what I mean by that is going back to, you know, what we have been doing under Mikel Arteta primarily in an attacking sense. I think everyone knows that Kieran Tierney has been a massive player within the final third. He is that guy who there's so much trust on him before to deliver quality in advanced areas. You know, he's effectively, you know, on paper, he's a left back. But before, reality is 
that the zones that he was occupying, he was effectively Arsenal's left winger. He was high up the pitch. He was stretching the play. He was creating that that width and he was putting good quality crosses into the box, whether that's from an aerial point of view delivered um, in the air or cutbacks. And obviously that makes sense because Kieran Tierney, for me, his best qualities lie within the final third. You know, he's a very good weapon in those areas. And in fact, when you when you look at what he has given Arsenal in an attacking sense, he's delivered so much quality. He's, he's created a lot of chances and we've scored a lot of goals from that specific pattern of getting Kieran Tierney high and wide but as the season well as games go on and the opposition realise this it becomes very predictable and that was really Arsenal's only pattern of play you know attracting pressure from the right hand side then switching it all the way towards Kieran Tierney on the opposite end when he's now in space allowing him to to get really high up and then putting crosses into the box Um, and like I said it was effective but it became really predictable and uh, opposing teams then started to get more confident in being able to deal with it so you know, this is why we have seen this tweak and we have essentially moved more towards a 4-3-3 slash 2-3-5. You know, if you're looking at it from a zonal perspective, you look at it from a 2-3-5 um, uh, setup. If you're looking at it from a formation perspective, you look at it from a 4-3-3. So Tierney's operating a lot deeper and Grant Jack is moving slightly further forward. And again, the reason why is because we, we're trying to be more unpredictable. We're trying to hurt the opposition in multiple ways rather than just having Kieran Tierney as this wide outlet. Now, the other question you get is, arguably, isn't Mikel Arteta potentially going against two of his key players' biggest strengths? Because Granite Jacker, we know Granite Jacker lacks athleticism, the mobility and the ability to kind of influence the game in advanced areas between the lines. Granite Jacker's best qualities lie when he's deeper. He's alongside someone who can kind of help him when he doesn't have the ball and he can quicken that transition from the defensive third to the attacking third with four passes. Whereas Kieran Tierney on the opposite end, having him deeper arguably um, weakens his ability to influence the game and his ability to kind of use his best qualities, which are in the final third. And... It's a very good point, but the reason why Arteta is doing this is because of the long-term benefits of this of this formation. And I think if you scroll down now, um, Faisal, um, and I'll explain it with the actually no scroll up. Sorry, oh no, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. yeah, yeah. Um, what this setup does is it promotes the natural formation of progressive triangles. And you can clearly see it on, on your screen now and how, you know, every player, essentially, when they are in possession, they have at least two players that they can pass the ball to. And it's very fluid. There's a lot of interchanges. And that's what we have seen in the last couple of games against the likes of Brentford and Wolves, the wide overloads with, from the right-hand side, we've seen Cedric, Martin Odegaard and Pukai Saka combine, interchange. And likewise, on the opposite end, we've seen Granite Jacker, Martinelli or Emil Smith-Rowe and Kieran Tierney, that interchange as well. And we've been able to create a lot of chances. We've been able to sustain pressure. And we've been a lot more glamorous on the eye, haven't we? You know, whereas before, you know, there's a lot of arguments, there's a lot of um, opinions that Arsenal are quite dull to watch in the final third. But this this setup basically allows us to 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 look more um, unpredictable and we can hurt the opposition in multiple ways rather than just having Tierney high and wide. I have a question for you. Uh, yeah. You talked about Granite Jack and you talked about, yeah. you know, the question being asked about, well, why are we not using the best skills of our two central midfielders? Does this system, using Xhaka as, as a left-sided eight, does that indicate to you phasing out of using Xhaka in the system and going with party or a lone central midfielder? And do you think in terms of lots of questions coming in about type yeah. of profile of play, and we'll talk about forward maybe towards the end, but as an eight, do you think there's a priority there for Mikel in the summer to get another creative player? Or do you see that as Smith Rowe and, and, and Erdegaard? 
I think, you know, with Granite Jacker, me and you, we're massive fans, you know, and um, we, we really like and we read. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> And, um, you know, I, I value the qualities that he has, um, you know, and what he offers to the team in terms of the progressive passes and also how he does help the, a lot of the players around him as well. You know, I know a lot of people will, will not agree with that, but I, I genuinely do believe he has a massive impact on the team. However, I think it's very clear that we are phasing Granite Jacker out of the team and um, we're looking to move towards this this next type of profile um, of a player who is comfortable in this setup, but is also comfortable in what we have doing have been doing before. Because what I wanted to also talk about is whilst we have had Granite Jacker effectively as this number eight, we still have had Kieran Tierney at times overlap as well when he's been given the opportunities to do so. So when he does overlap, we need to still have that that stability when we don't have the ball. We need to have enough numbers in deeper areas to basically deal with a potential counter-attack. And that's why I'll always refer to the fact that, you know, Arsenal under Mikel Arteta, we attack with a front five and we defend with a front five. You know, that's the structure. That's what he he advocates because it gives us a balance in the offensive third and the defensive third. So it's not Granite Jacker always as this number eight, but predominantly he is playing very high up. And then you ask yourself the question, is that suited to Granite Jacker? Obviously not. No, because he's a, a player who lacks athleticism. He can't press with that same level of intensity that we need from a number eight. And um, he just has a lot of deficiencies in that role. So then the question really ask, you ask yourself is, what kind of profile do we need? For me, as a, as that left-sided midfielder, we need someone who can make third man runs. We need someone who can press with intensity, is secure between the lines in advanced areas, can provide creativity, but can also do what Granite Jacker does in terms of dropping back and allowing others to go forward like a Kieran Tierney and to give us that control in midfield and for us to also be able to kind of be um, okay in defending in a 4-4-2. Because although we've seen this tweak, in terms of out of possession when we're defending, there's been no tweak at all. We still do exactly the same thing. We still yeah. move back into a 4-4-2. So that left-sided midfielder has to be a, a, a player who is capable of defending transition as well. So if we do you have at, someone in mind? Well, I think um, it's, it's a difficult one because... I was thinking about this today where, you know, I want this perfect player, but is that perfect player available? You know, it's it's a case of you have to identify the guy who's um, his pros massively outweigh his cons. So if we look at players that have been linked, Ruben Neves, you know, who a lot of people like, I think um, this season he's been fantastic on the Bruno Large, but is he that player who can, you know, break forward into the opposition box, can press with intensity, can make third round runs, can can play, you know, between the lines in advanced areas? I don't think so. Ruben Neves is more suited to a double pivot. So for me, that signing wouldn't make sense. Then you look at Yuri Tielemans. Yuri Tielemans, I think everyone knows he's so good on the ball in terms of what he offers with his passing. But what he doesn't give you is the fact that defensively, he is a liability as well. And um, so there's uncertainty with that one. Hussam Awar. He's the guy I've wanted for so long, you know. I knew so you'd long. go there. I know. And George, I know you're watching. <laughs> George uh, will definitely be watching. <laughs> he's, yeah, honestly, he. I, I when I see this, yeah, it screams out to me. Husamawa, you know. Yeah. Sorry, carry on. I've, I've yeah, and, and you know, I, I no, so it's, it's all good. I think like Husamawa, in terms of an attacking sense of what we've seen, he'll give us way more than Granite Jacker in terms of the quality between the lines, not just in terms of you know, the creativity, but the way he carries the ball, he takes players away from others and he attracts pressure. But then there's also uncertainty with Hossam because when you think about it, what you've seen with Arsenal when Granite Jacker and Thomas Partey are present 
in the team is that Arsenal have sustained pressure, Arsenal able to control the game, Arsenal win more first and second balls, and that just keeps the opposition pegged back. And the statistics are there. You know, if you look at performances and you don't think Granit Xhaka and Thomas Partey are having an impact on this game, just look at statistically. The last 10 games in which they've played together, well, have been in the same team um, and their presence is there. You know, we've won eight of the last 10 games. The two losses that we've had are against Man City. You know, I don't like looking at referees um, in terms of, um, you know, them being the deciding factor of result. But I think there's a strong case to suggest in the Man City game, the referee had a massive impact in terms of the outcome. And then you look at the Everton game, very poor performance. But at the same time, that was Granite Jacker's first game back. So what Granite Jacker is really good at, even though he's not as comfortable in this, this further forward position, is he always has the knack of being in the right place in the right time and his ability to win those second balls, which automatically gives us more control of the game and therefore gives us more opportunities to sustain pressure. Does Hussamawar have the same qualities in terms of a defensive aspect in that area? I don't think so. I think Hussamawar gives you more intensity. I think he will help um, Kirantini more because right at Jacker right now, he's playing further forward and he can't recover as quick. Um, to support Tierney. So that's leaving Tierney in some isolated situations, which he struggled in recently. So every single player that we link with, there is uncertainty there. But I do think Hossam Awar, out of all the options that I've seen, would be the best option. Yeah, lots of comments coming through. So, you know, James Madison, uh, excellent eight, but way too costly. That's from Anil. Uh, yeah. Oli Obi says Locatelli, in, in his opinion. I, I think that yeah. ship sailed, but type of profile of player. Lots yeah. of shouts coming for Awar. And someone's just, um, actually, Nassif Ali Khan mentions Maxence Kakare. I've not butchered Maxence's yeah, name, but he's, he's a very, very fine player. Yeah. And the interesting one that's caught my eye, Space Monkey says, will Patino be able to grow into this sort of profile of player? What do you think? Patino, um, I think with Patino, he's a very good talent. You know, I've been watching the the under-23s this season. And um, for me, you know, he got obviously a dream debut coming on against Sunderland and scoring at the Emirates. You know, that's that's what you dream of as a young player, you know, coming through the ranks. But I think for him, it's definitely a profile potentially he could play. Um, I'm not too sure yet. But at the same time, I think Patino... I doubt we'll see much of him this season or, well, not obviously not this season, but next season as well. I think he still needs another year in the under-23s to kind of um, improve in terms of his physical aspect. And, um, you know, when you look at his age, I think that's where his game time should be at right now. And um, the following season, then we can kind of analyse Patino. And Chris punches Renato Sanchez is the one. Even a shout for yeah. Paul Pogba from Aaron Pogba. there. But anyway, sorry. Let's yeah. get back to your flow. So this was the the, the, the four three three map. Where do we go from here? Yeah. So um, you know we were talking about Granite Jacker um, and how you know whilst we have seen a clear improvement in terms of the performances where both Granite Jacker and Thomas Partey are present in the team, I think the other player that there's question marks. Well, there's two players, but let's talk about one. That's Kieran Tierney. I think there's been a lot of criticism come his way of late. Um, which for me is kind of unfair um, because we know what Kieran is capable of. And I think if we compare and can uh, contrast the roles that Kieran has been given before, where he was effectively acting as this left winger with his role essentially just in the final third to deliver quality to what it is right now, Kieran Tierney is primarily occupying a deep position. So he's given a lot more responsibility in build-up and also a lot more responsibility from a defensive side of the game. And I think when you look at Tierney, his... For me, his biggest weakness is in build-up, you know, his his ability to kind of be composed under pressure. And we see Tierney a lot, you know, he when he is under pressure, he will just clear the ball either into no man's land or it will just go out for a throw. So effectively, you know, we lose control. I think what Arteta's trying to do is 
he's trying to coach him into this role and he's trying to make him better. And I really do think that he can improve on that front. And in fact, when you look at the last two games, I think he has looked a lot more composed on the ball. He's looked a lot better on that front. Um, but obviously he isn't as comfortable as what he would be if he's high up the pitch. But, you know, I think a lot of people have been saying that, you know, potentially we need to move on away from Kieran Tierney. But I think if you rewind back um, to the FA Cup run, um, where Kieran Tierney was instrumental in deeper areas in terms of what he was giving the team. If you look at the Aubameyang opener against Man City, where we, again, another really good goal, where we're playing out from the back, we're, we're moving it towards the left-hand side. Kieran Tierney is slightly deeper, and his pass towards Lacazette, watch it back. It's a really good pass that breaks the lines. Who Then Laka drops deep. He takes the ball and then we move to the move it to the right-hand side and Aubameyang eventually scores from the Pepe um, across to the back post. And then the second goal as well, it's Kieran Tierney's ball at the top in behind for Aubameyang and then he converts that. Then you go to the final against Chelsea the, the Aubameyang penalty comes from a Kirantini long ball over the top. So he has the qualities to do it, but it's the fact that this is a different role for him. And also, it's not just build-up that he's he's learning to be a lot more composed of. It's also the defensive side of the game. You know, when you look at Kirantini before, again, effectively acting as this left winger, he didn't have as much defensive responsibility because Granite Jack was covering him a lot. Whereas now... It's roles reversed. Kieran Tierney is covering Granite Jacker. And I think Kieran Tierney is having a little bit of a tough time, you know, recently. I think in the first half where he had Ruben Semedo, who was causing him problems. Pedence was causing him problems as well. And he's he's still learning to, to get grips of this new role. So for me, you know, in terms of comments stating that, you know, we should look for a different player, I, I disagree. I think he, he just needs time to be coached into this role. So Tierney... I also think he doesn't look fit. You know, there, yeah. there's, there's, there's not being... Uh, used to the system and there's him sort of adapting to a new uh, type of sort of yeah. setup or structure I just think last couple of games and unfortunate to sit sort of North Bank lower so you get to see Tierney close up for an entire 45 and he just doesn't look as sharp or as fit yeah. as he normally is so maybe that's just something that he's going through that's something there as well, for sure. I think, you know, he has had these knocks and these these setbacks throughout his career since he's came to Arsenal as well. And it does obviously take its toll on you. And especially when, you know, the workload for Tierney now, I think is a lot more, you know, in this role, you know, in terms of build-up and also defending a lot more um, in isolation. But I do think, you know, um, despite the fact that, you know, Granite Jacker and Kieran Tierney are currently at a disadvantage um, in this setup, Tierney, I think, will definitely improve a lot more. But you, you've seen the benefits of this system and the benefits of this setup in terms of, you know, how we're creating chances, we're, we're causing the opposition so much problems. And that goes to my next point, where if we had a ruthless centre forward, you know, we would have scored, what, three goals against um, Wolves at least, four goals against Brentford at least. You know, and that's the, the third position I want to look at and say, you know, you can clearly see the upgradable opportunities within the team and centre forward is definitely one that will take this team to the next level. And, you know, Lacazette, for as much as, you know, he works hard, he t he tries, you know, so much and he does give the team qualities, but his his deficiencies massively outweigh his his positive attributes as well. And, um, yeah, so that's... Yeah, that's I, I've, I've got a lot of love for, for Lacazette recently. I know he's limited as a footballer, but he does give his all. And Akil asks a really great question here. Please could you ask Rohan what characteristics, with ranking of importance, if you can, Rohan, yeah. uh, Arteta will be looking for at a striker within this new formation. So, I mean, what's, what sort of profile? I mean, all roads yeah. lead to Erling Haaland, of course. But, um, <laughs> but, 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 but what are your thoughts? Oh, I think the guy that Mikel Arteta was so adamant to want was the guy. 
I really do think he was the one. Yeah. Um, you know, when I came on here before, we were talking about strikers and I didn't know much about Dusan Vlaovic. Obviously, I, I knew who he was in terms of obviously his name and he played for um, Fiorentina, but I never saw him play. So when obviously the reports started to come out and Arsenal were really interested in acquiring him, Mikel Arteta desperately wanted to sign him. You know, I thought, OK, let's watch this guy. Let's see if he really is the real deal. I watched him over 10 games and honestly, like, I'm so convinced this guy, this guy is a killer. He's an absolute he's killer. Like what he has is just, he's so ruthless inside the box. His movement, what he does so well is that he makes low XG chances look so easy. You know, he slots them away comfortably. Um, you know, like I say, his movement is excellent. He knows when to attack the back post. He knows when to attack the front post. Don't and man, don't. I know, I know it's so painful because, and also what he's capable of is he has such a secure first touch. I cannot stress this so much. When the ball is played to him to feet, you know, he's good at pinning centre-backs. He comes and deeper and it, yeah, it's like, it's like glue. So yeah. he would have been the perfect player because like I said, you know, when we're talking about Aubameyang, Hamikel Arteta, you know, wants the striker to be able to drop deep, to link play, but also to be a threat inside the box and be that that player who can play on the shoulder. Dusan Vlaovic was exactly that, you know, and this guy is deceptively very quick as well over large distances. And, um, you know, for me, it's obviously gutting that we didn't manage to get this one over the line. I can't knock the club because if you don't try, you don't succeed, you know, and they were, they, they desperately wanted to get him in. Um, I think it's quite clear and you can see why, you know, he's doing so well at Juventus. Um, I think the positive that we can take from this is that we know that Mikel Arteta, his ability to identify talent and to get the right players in has been really good. You know, you look at Aaron Ramsdale, Ben White, Tomiyasu, you go all the way back to the previous season, Gabriel, Thomas Partey, you know, he he knows what he wants. There's obviously going to be uncertainty with the centre forward position, um, but I think given the fact that he really wanted to do some Vlavic and from my perspective, looking at him thinking that he was the perfect player it gives me confidence that he knows exactly what he wants at center forward so essentially a player like Dusan Vlavic but it's a case of who who's that guy you know Alexander Isak again is another player I really do like I know you did a really good breakdown with um with uh, I can't remember what his name was again sorry Nima. Um, Nima. Nima, yeah yeah he did a really good breakdown but again uh, a player for me you know Vlavic would have hit the ground running straight away for me you know he would yeah. have came in and he would have banged I I'm convinced there's... Isak, I think, will blow in the next one or two years. But right now, I don't think he would have been able to give that impact. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see who goes for in the summer um, because I think the strikers that, you know, have been reportedly linked, they're not Vlahovic, but I think we've got to move away from that now. So, um, but yeah. Yeah, we do. But for those of you who like misery and for those of you who choose negativity, there is an amazing <laughs> two-minute compilation of Vlahovic's recent game. I think it was against Empoli. <laughs> And honestly, you watch it and I just think, geez, this yeah. guy, this guy was the He's one. He's the real but deal, man. He's the real deal. He is, he is. But Erling, I know you're watching. I'll come Erling's for watching. you in the summer, baby. Uh, <laughs> right, let's get back to uh, the sort of system. So uh, do you want me to scroll down to the next picture? Yeah, I think um, that what I kind of wanted to end it on um, in terms of the system is that I, I really want people to kind of look at the way Arsenal play or the way other teams play as well from a zonal perspective in comparison to a formation perspective. You know, when you think of formations, you know, 3-4-3, three, 3-5-2, four, three, three, two, four, two, three, four, three, three, you think there's a lot of changes going on. And, you know, Arteta on paper before was predominantly playing a 4-2-3-1. Arteta now is predominantly playing a 4-3-3. But the reality is, is that there's not that much difference, not, not huge differences that what's kind of been made out to be. And, you know, the best way I can kind of describe this is that if you if you scroll down, Faisal, um, you go towards the last two pictures. 
yeah, um, yeah, that that one. Start with that one. Um, so with the new the new tweak, you can see Martin Odegaard, Granit Xhaka as those two number eights. You can see Lacazette as the centre forward, Martinelli and Saka as as the wide players. You know, essentially attacking with a front five, defending with a front five. And you know, we were doing that. We've, we've been doing that now with Granit Xhaka effectively acting as one of these number eights. But when you look at what we were doing before, if you scroll up, Pfizer, um, what we were what we were um, favouring oh, predominantly. Right oh, oh no no no! If you go um, back down, sorry. The, sorry. Next one. Next one down. Yeah. My this bad. one. You yeah. can see you can see again. Um this was the game against Norwich as well, where you're seeing Kieran Tierney as one of those front five and you're seeing Granite Jacker slightly deeper. So the only major difference really is the roles of Granite Jacker, Kieran Tierney, and Gabriel Martinelli. You know, before Kieran Tierney was active, effectively acting as this wide outlet, which is what he's doing here. Um, Martinelli's moving more inside. Uh, that could be Smith as well. And Granite Jacker is forming this line with Thomas Partey and Ben White to give effectively that shield to ensure that if we do lose the ball, we have enough bodies in front of the two centre-backs who are very high up as well, that we can cope with a transition. So the only major differences are the fact that, you know, the the, the positions that Granite Jacker, Kieran Tierney and Gabriel Martinelli are occupying. So effectively that whole left-hand side, that's the only major difference. But that difference is making a massive difference because of the 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 interchanges, the rotations and how we're able to create chances a lot more fluidly now. And, um, you know, in terms of a defensive aspect, like I said, you know, it's there's no change at all. Granite Jacker moves back next to Thomas Partey and we defend in a 4-4-2. So this is why I think it's better to look at it from a zonal perspective. Look at the positions that players are occupying and then you'll realise that there's very little difference Arsenal are really doing. But it's a difference that is making a lot of benefit because Arteta is trying to get this team to be flexible, to be able to operate in many different positions so that we can hurt the opposition in multiple ways rather than just having Tierney out wide and just spamming crosses, um, you know, continuously. So that's where positional play comes into play, where you need players who are versatile, who can operate in, in different zones. But Kai Saka is a great example where if we look at his goals against Newcastle and... Um, Brentford recently. Bukayo Saka is made for the right wing. We all know that that's his best position, but he's also capable of drifting out wide towards the opposite flank and influencing the game. You know, he scored two goals and um, two pivotal goals. That's the perfect example of a player who can play this way, who has no problem in playing in different areas of the pitch. And that's what he's trying to do here with Kieran Tierney and Granit Xhaka, you know, having that interchange and making sure that the team is fluid. Gosh, really insightful stuff. I mean, I'm really intrigued to see how this evolves even further. I mean, if you think about the changes that Arteta's made, and yeah. do you think that this four-three-three is the one that sort of that's here to stay? Is that how you think uh, our summer transfer activity is going to be dictated? How, you know, how else could we could he evolve this? Yeah, I think um, I think the way. You know, we've, we have seen the evolution of Arteta's um, system now where, like I said before, we had, you know, a double pivot and now we're having effectively these two number eights on more occasions. So I think the team, in terms of a systematic point of view, won't evolve anymore. But I think the team will evolve when we start to add those level raises, when we move on away from a granite jacker and we bring in a centre forward. Those are the two positions that I think are very clear that if we are able to address them with the right players, you know, we're going to be able to see a much higher level. Because like I said, if you look at the centre-forward um, position, as much as Lacazette, you know, I admire him trying and the efforts that he gives, you know, the amount of final actions that he's messed up um, recently against likes of Brentford and Wolves, you know, have been incredibly frustrating. You then just think of a striker, I don't want to say his name, but yeah, um, Dusan Vlavic, you know, we would have scored more goals. And obviously, you know, on paper, you know, three or four nil wins 
look a lot more convincing to fans, don't they? So um, I, I think from a systematic point of view, we won't see this evolve much more. But from a player perspective, I think we'll see greater um, greater performances and um, more quality. It's very similar to what Pep Guardiola does at Man City as well. And this is, you know, why I, I've adamant that this this manager, you know, he he's the one. He's the one who, you know. I think we we should be really happy that we have him because he's a guy who understands the modern game. He understands sustainability. He understands how to rebuild a team. You know, for someone who's what so young, this is his first job. For me, he's done a remarkable. Um, it's been a remarkable effort. Obviously, there's been massive um, setbacks. You know, Villarreal, um, and he's made a lot of mistakes. But what were people really expecting? Um, you know, a new manager. You know, a, a, a guy coming in his first role. You know, when you graduate from uni or you, you get a, an apprenticeship, for example, you go to your first job. You're going to make a lot of mistakes um, that will look quite silly. But you know, it's to be expected because you've never been in that environment. And exactly the same you can say about Mikel Arteta. And but what is really encouraging is how he's evolved this team and, and um, the way the team is is looking um, right now. So yeah, I, I'm I'm very very pleased with what's happening. Someone just made the most tremendous shout for a player, and it's someone that I've been talking about on yeah. on uh, on Twitter and WhatsApp for the day. But here we go, zero one five buddy Jude Bellingham for the Zaka role. I mean, look, we're dreaming, right? He's a, he's a yeah. monster player. He's probably going to end up somewhere like Liverpool. They're going to fork out loads of money having sold yeah. two bang average players for like a gazillion pounds. But yeah. <laughs> is that the sort of player that would fit the profile? Declan oh, yeah. Rice, yeah. Um, you know, or, or and lots of people have asked, you know, why can't Emil Smith-Rowe sort of have that left eight role? Um, yeah, any thoughts on, on those two types of profile? Yeah, I think um, I think Smith Rowe can play there. We have tried it this season as well, um, but I think you you don't give Smith Rowe the license to be at his best for me in that role in comparison to playing on the left hand side or even as as a number ten where Martin Odegaard's playing. For me, that's where Smith Rowe is at his very best. And also, you have to remember that you know if Smith Rowe is playing as that left sided number eight, are you comfortable with Smith Rowe partnering Thomas Party when we don't have the ball? You know, that's that's a question mark that you would have with him um, because you know it's it's a massive aspect that we we have to look at as well which is why a lot of the players that we've been linked with there's uncertainty in in different aspects where you know like I said Hossamawa by far would give more quality in the final third but are we going to be able to win as many second balls and first balls with a Hossamawa in comparison to a Granit Xhaka yeah and then you look at a, a Yuri Tielemans again very good on the ball um, but then defensive deficiencies you look at Ruben Neves um, good on the ball in deeper areas can he play further forward there's uncertainty there, you know, and that's why I'm thinking like, you know, we just have to go with the guy who's whose pros massively outweighs cons. And for me, when I look at all those options, Hosmoir looks looks pretty feasible. But I, I just think that that deal is now dead in the water. But um, yeah, it, it will be interesting to see for sure. Well, Eddie needs to get a move on for the summer. Well, look, um, Rohan, that's been very, very insightful. Was there anything further that you wanted to add to that? Uh, yeah, and remind people where they can find the article, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I think um, what I wanted to end on is kind of like look at the performances and the results that we have sustained over the last year, year and a bit now. You know, going back to when Smith Rowe was brought into the team, you look at the way the team was performing prior to that. You know, there was agony, you know, losing games continuously. Um, and it felt like there was no hope for Arteta uh, at that moment. And then this this young boy comes into the team and he changes everything in terms of the dynamics of the team and the way we have started to see the evolution. And, you know, I look at that point where Mikel Arteta was allowed to 
to adopt a favorable formation, a favorable system. That's one that he wanted to use, which was similar to the one that he he used straight away when Mesut Ozil was in the team and when he first came to the club. And when you look at that moment where Smith Rowe was brought into the team, Arteta was able to to implement a system that he prefers. We've taken 98 points, 92 points out of 48 games. You know, that's 1.9 points per game. So if you look at that over a whole season, that's 73 points you're accumulating. And when you look at the previous three seasons, that gets you top four. This team has been a top four team for more than a year now, which is why I think, you know, whilst we are giving a lot of credit to the manager now, and rightly so, this improvement has been there for a while. But obviously, from an attacking point of view, we started to see a lot more quality. And I think that's down to players, you know, um, developing that partnership together. It's becoming a lot stronger. The chemistry's there, particularly with Erdogan and Saka. And I think, you know, the fact that we've we've had, you know, minimal injuries in terms of the front line, it's given these boys the opportunity to click as a unit and the, the continuity with regards to the team has allowed us to be more of a force in the attacking sense. But you can see the improvement over a large sample size and how, you know, Mikel Arteta, his arsenal from the get-go, for me, he's always been able to coach defence. He's always been able to get that balance of having enough bodies in an attacking um, area of the pitch, but also having enough to, to make sure that we're not going to be exposed on the counter-attack. If you look at Man United and the Ralph Ragnick, um, you see that they are improving in an attacking sense to some sort, but defensively, they look all over the place. Mikel Arteta has built from the back and we have seen that improvement from the get-go. We're seeing the improvement in the attacking sense now with this slight tweak that's giving us a lot of benefits. But when you look at the the sample size, you know, 48 games, 92 points, that's remarkable, you know, and that's top four form. And um, I think we've got to give a lot of credit to this team and a lot of credit to the manager because, you know, whilst you can definitely criticise him before, you know, with regards to us languishing in mid-table before Smith-Rowe was coming into the team, there were mitigating circumstances because if we go all the way back to Hussamawar, he wanted Hussamawar in that window um, where we were trying to get Thomas Partey and him down um, over the line. We weren't able to get Hussamawar. We had no creative midfielders available because Smith Rowe was still um, struggling with fitness and um, and injuries. Then he came into the team. He was able to adopt the system that he wanted to and the improvement is there and it's clear. And this is why I think we should be very encouraged by the, the trajectory and the improvement that this team is making over a significant sample. It hasn't been just five or six or seven games. This is 48 games, you know, more than a season of Arsenal performing well, you know, getting results and and delivering um, on a consistent basis. So credit to the manager, but also massive credit to these players because they're still very young. This is the youngest team, youngest squad in the Premier League. And that just shows how how intelligent they are and, um, you know, how they're able to kind of take that message from the manager and they're able to transmit it on the on, on the pitch and deliver top quality performances that the fans are starting to, to really appreciate, you know. So on the pitch, I think we're doing... Um, a lot better and um, you can see the improvement but also the culture you know you go to the Emirates um, week and week out I'll go whenever I can but what I have noticed is that um, there seems to be a lot of cohesion um, amongst the fan base um, when you go to the games obviously at social media it's a little bit different but um, when you go into the games you're seeing that there's um these the fans can get behind these players there's there's that connection whereas before I don't think that connection was there. For me personally, you know, I'll always, you know, back an Arsenal player, um, whoever plays for our football club. But at the same time, you, you, you can't feel that connection at times in, in the past. But I can feel that connection with all those players on the pitch. And so it's not just what we're doing um, performance-wise, but it's also what he's done in terms of the rebuild, the cultural change, and um, how, you know, it's, it's becoming a lot more enjoyable to watch Arsenal and see how this team's progressing. So, yeah, massive credit to the manager, massive credit to the players. And, 
um, hopefully we keep it up. Um, hopefully we smash Watford and um, we, we finish in the top four at the end of the season. Man, just 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 drop the mic. That, that, was, <laughs> that was that was absolutely beautiful. And um, you know, t- to end on a positive, you know, all sort of jokes aside, uh, you hit the nail on the head there. With there's a real. Um, what's the word sort of bond that I feel that I've got with this, with this team. And you're right. Going to home games, going to away games, the fans have been absolutely magnificent. Atmosphere has been brilliant last Thursday, you know, that last gasp sort of win, what it's going to do now for morale and momentum is fabulous. And they're a likable bunch of players. And, you know, Mikel, he has made mistakes. He'll probably hold his hands up maybe privately. Mm. Um, And he he knows that (laughs) he he knows that he's a young manager. He's got a lot to learn, but, there are so many positives. And like I said at the start of this show, if we can somehow get that fourth spot, yeah. what it would do for us financially, um, what it would do for us as a pull of a club, you know, the type of player that we can then go for in the summer, it's it's exciting times. And it is, you know, it is. Yeah. It's it's just brilliant. So look, Rohan, thank you so much for joining. Did you want to say something else? I felt like no. I think yeah, yeah I just wanted to. I just wanted to like uh, make the point about the Champions League. Like you know, going to the season, you know, my expectation was was fifth place. So I didn't expect this team to finish in the top four. But now we have a great opportunity. Now you know, finishing the top four is massive because we all know that we are we're not Arsenal. We are the Arsenal. You know, and um, the name of this club will always hold a lot of value to most players out there in Europe. However, there is a certain pool of players that you're not able to attract if you're not going to get that Champions League um, football. So it just opens up that pool of players that we're able to attract. And, you know, the, the point you make about Mikel Arteta making mistakes, 100%, you know, he's made loads of mistakes. And, um, you know, it would be naive of me to to not say that. And I've criticised him a lot. I've, I've been frustrated by a lot of the decisions that he makes. But then when I when I just sit back and think about it, you know, it's like it is to be expected. It is to, to kind of, you know, it's normal for him to make these errors. It's normal for this team to have setbacks like the one we had against Everton, you know, the like the ones we've had, um, you know, in different stages of the season. It, it, it just, you know, it's um, everything makes sense. And um, yeah, I think Champions League football will be massive for this team and um, will be will be so good because I, from, you know, like I said, I didn't expect top four. I don't know if you expected top four before the season started. Um, you know, no, I didn't. Huge. If, no, I didn't. And I'm yeah. glad you asked because uh, there's been a lot of talk about revising objectives midway through the season. Yeah. I absolutely did not expect top four. I think, Given the position we are in now, yeah, and knowing yeah. that United are a bit of a shambles, West Ham are probably not going to sustain it. No, famous, no, fam- no. famous words. Spurs, <laughs> Spurs are going to Spurs as, as good yeah. as Conte is. Yeah. You know, we have a tremendous chance, yeah. and if we miss out, then it will feel like a, a disappointing yeah, season. Yeah, yeah, for, sure, for sure. But you know, it's there. Uh, look, conscious of time, everybody. Yeah. You know, you're getting some really lovely comments here. Oh, thank um, you. You know, uh, Rohan is gargantuan, <laughs> case closed. Uh, please can we smash the likes. Look, there's well over 200 of you watching right now. Over a 1,000 of you have joined us live on a Monday night, which I'm really grateful for. Please, please do drop a like on the channel and a subscribe to the video. Uh, sorry, uh, a like on the video and a subscribe to the channel. It's been a long day. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, Rohan, thank you very much for, for joining. Uh, look forward yeah. to having you on again. And, of course, if people want to read your writing, they can go to Gunnerstown. And, of course, head over to your Twitter handle, which is, of course, at RJ Arsenal blog. I think that's about it. So until next time, see you soon.